Good morning. Good to see you all. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights Church. And I was absent last week. If you came for the very first time last Sunday, I didn't get a chance to meet you. I'd love to meet you today. Um, or if today's your first time, I'd love to say hello after our service. We're um, going, there's a lot of traveling throughout the summertime, and sometimes you don't know who's going to be at church or serving in various volunteer roles. And so, um, for those of you that were here last week, though, helping out while we were gone and a few of other staff members were gone, I'm really grateful. Um, when, the, when the church is, you know, smaller and newer like we are, and I'm gone, on the Sunday morning, I'm like, I hope church is happening. <laughs> and it was. It happened great. Um, it went really great. I got pictures and video of, of the volunteers that were helping out. So really appreciate the, the hard work for that. A couple weeks ago, we had our, tr- our truck, which pulls our church trailer every Sunday. It, it blew a head gasket. So I got a, an old uh, F-250. Um, it was a white one. And that one is, is uh, out of commission. I don't think it's worth repairing at, at the mileage that it has. But yesterday, God provided another truck for us, for our church. So um, we were, able, we're back on the road. And this, this, um, this is another F-250. Um, it's a couple years newer and has about 100,000 miles less than the other one did. So I'm thinking this one's going to take us for a long time. So I, I'm excited about that. Um, we're a portable church. So every Sunday... We haul this trailer, and so you can actually see this truck and trailer in the parking lot right now, and we tear things down, load it up, and then store it. Another church in town allows us to store it there. So I just wanted to give you an update. Um, it's exciting to see God providing for us throughout the summer, especially, you know, sometimes bad things happen that feel like a major curveball. Like the Sunday that the truck broke down, um, it almost didn't make it here. <laughs> like we are like going up, and it was like losing power up this hill. And uh, we, we were able to make it. I'm like, oh, man, this is a major curveball. This is going to set us back. And, you know, you just pray about things, and God provides, and he's done that. Um, so I'm grateful. We're in a message series called Sharing Our Very Lives. So over the past month, we've been looking at different ways to not just spend time with people, but to really share yourself, share your heart, share a deep, meaningful connection with other people. And we looked at the topic of practicing hospitality. This is, that's a command in the scripture. We looked at how to slow down for unrushed time with people. So much of life feels rushed. But man, what a, what a value just to have unrushed time with people. We also looked at a message about how to, how to really open our hearts. And really the big goal with this series is to really look at how to invest more time and more heart in people. And you might be thinking, man, I don't, I don't know if I have time for more people right now. I, there's, there's people all around us. You got people at home. You got people that you work with. There's people all over the freeway. Uh, there's people in stores. You've got maybe some extended family members. And sometimes it feels like some of the needs and the demands or maybe just some of the requests of all those people in our lives and the schedules and all the things going on, man, sometimes it feels like that's, that's a big factor in us feeling worn down as all the people in the time. And I don't know if you ever feel that way, just either worn down or overwhelmed. Or um, One approach that people, I think, sometimes tend to have is to clam up. And you might say, man, I'm just feeling drained and exhausted. 
And so I just, like a clam, just shut the shell. I just need to, I need to resist the demands of others. I don't want to be hassled right now. I don't want, to, I don't want anyone to ask me for anything right now. If I, can, if I can just protect enough me time, maybe then I could build up enough energy to make it through. Well, the trouble with clams is that they live salty, isolated lives. <laughs> Being a clam is probably not the best approach. On the other hand, so there's, there's another approach though. Maybe, maybe that's not you. Another approach is when, is when you feel depleted is sometimes we look to other people to fill us back up. Now this would, I would say, this is actually more like a tick. <laughs> you know, like a tick latches onto a dog. And we can develop an expectation that other people are gonna meet our needs. Like, man, I'm, I'm feeling really worn down right now and I, I need someone to refresh me. I need someone to encourage me. I need this, someone to help me have a good time. The problem with ticks is, um, well, sometimes they just suck the life out of people. <laughs> and imagine if you have two people that are doing this. It's like two ticks and no dog, just sucking the life out of each other. You're like, man, this is, this is not refreshing at all. So I think when we look at our relationships, we, you know, we, we want certain things from people. We want, we want to have value in our connection. We want to have fun with people. We would like to, we'd like someone to be there for the highs and the lows. Sometimes we need people for practical help to just help us move stuff or to give me tools or some know-how or some service. Sometimes we want to get things from people and I've, I've been, I've done both of these approaches at different parts of my life. I've, uh, you know, I tend to be a little bit more of the clam up type of person, but I've also done the, you know, the tick approach where I've just tried to, you know, suck things out of people. Like there was in college, um, when Aaron and I were dating, I, uh, she, we lived in different cities and I didn't have a vehicle or a car. And so we, I needed to, I needed to find a way to see my girlfriend on the weekends. And there was a, a girl in one of my classes who had a car. And so I would ask her, if I, hey, can I borrow your car this weekend? She's like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. And so, yeah, I use it and I'd go, Aaron and I would hang out and then um, ask for the car the next weekend. And I could just keep asking. And I, what I was doing is I was mooching. And um, we're, really that, that friendship with that classmate, um, if I'm honest, at that stage of my life, I really was just valuing that relationship based on what I could get out of it. I just needed, I needed a vehicle and uh, just kind of sucking the, the needs that I had out of that, not really giving. And so I think, I think there's an approach to relationships and to us actually experiencing refreshment in life that's different than both of those, you know, the climbing up or the tick approach. I think there's an approach where we can really find joy and delight in our relationships with people. There's an interesting verse in the Bible that describes it this way. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. That first verse, that's really interesting. It's basically saying if you give away, you somehow end up with more. And it's, it's, it has a, an aspect of financial generosity to it, but it, it can be more than just boiled down to money. And, and it feels like, okay, if I, if I give of myself freely, the resources I have, somehow I'll gain more. If, if a person just holds back, hmm, they come to poverty. This, it feels like math that doesn't make sense. You know, like, this is math of, like, 21st century. Like, things are going bonkers here. The following verse, verse 25, it says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others 
will be refreshed. Now that's interesting. It's not saying figure out how to refresh yourself. No, it says you refresh others and that is where the refreshment comes. So that, that, this is a scriptural approach that's not climbing up. It's not latching onto people. This is giving out. This is expending ourselves, giving of our time, giving of our energy, our resources for the benefit of others. Now, verses like this, we don't love all that much just because we normally think, hey, listen, I've got to watch out for myself. I, if I don't look out for my needs and the things, my, my capacity, who's going to look out for me if I don't? The thought of giving and giving and giving is scary. And again, I don't just mean money. I, I mean just giving of ourselves and our time. Because you might feel, I, I already feel depleted as it is. I can't give anymore. I feel exhausted or worn down. Ref you want me to refresh other people? How about they refresh me first? If people would just help me and refresh me, if they would just give me what I need, then I could give back. The truth is, God has not designed us to be clams or people that latch onto others. There's, there's a much bigger family that God has designed us to be a part of. And I don't mean a dysfunctional family. <laughs> I mean a family that is full of grace and goodwill. A family that works together. And while it functions, it's really a pleasure to be a part of. And the principle that we're going to be looking at today from these verses and some others is that God sustains us when we expend ourselves for others. I'm going to have to sell you on this a little bit, probably because this, like I said, this does, it feels like it doesn't make sense that this would be the case, that when we expend ourselves, but, but the thing is, it's God. God is the one who does the sustaining work, and he watches how we relate. And we've been created for more than just to take care of ourselves. So that, that whole confusing math of I give away and then I somehow end up with more, it gets addressed in this way. When we expend ourselves for others, we are also releasing the chore of sustaining ourselves. You know, we tend to micromanage our energy and like, I'm gonna, right, I need to figure out how much you know, space and time I have. I gotta, I gotta protect my ability to endure. When I'm scrambling to refresh and care for myself, well, what we usually do is we draw protective boundaries around my life and my schedule and my money, and that, that, can, that can be a never-ending and unsatisfying pursuit. As Christ followers, God oversees and cares for us himself as his children. If, if you have decided to follow Jesus and you've made him your Lord and your boss, the boss of your life, then God watches over you. He takes care of you, your sons and daughters of the king. Which means I don't have to watch out for myself. God is better. He's, he's a lot better at taking care of me anyway. God knows far better what I actually need in life to grow. He fills us up and sustains us so that we can then turn around and then go ahead and bless others. Really give our lives for the good of others. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to micromanage my sleep. And be like, okay, if I get just enough sleep, then I'll have enough energy for the next day. There's been lots of times when I've gotten a full amount of sleep and I still feel tired the next day. There's been lots of times when I've got, I'm like, oh my gosh, I only got a few hours of sleep. And then the next day, God provides the energy I need. And I, I've, I've come to this conclusion that when it comes to serving God and his interests, there's no correlation between the number of hours I get and the amount of energy he provides because he supernaturally oversees our lives and he provides what we need if we're walking in his will. So this idea of expending myself for others you might be thinking, all right, this, 
if I'm going to give out and give and serve and look to the interests of others, that's going to require a lot of sacrifice and probably a lot of inconvenience. Well, that's true. If you're thinking that, you're right. And I'd like to show you a really compelling example in the Bible. There's uh, the Apostle Paul. At the end of his life, uh, the last letter that we have from him is the letter uh, to Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Paul's in prison. It appears that he has a death sentence, and he's nearing the end of his life. He's about to be killed, probably. And the reason he's in such a jam is because of he was, it's for the gospel. He was sharing the gospel with people. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything to deserve being in jail. And so here's what he says at the end of his life. He says, at my first defense, when, when he's like basically on trial for his life, at my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. Man, may it not be counted against them, he says. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. The next verse he says, So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to look at a few phrases in this passage. But here we have Paul in prison. Here's a guy who just poured himself out for people. He made his life. Actually, I have a photo of there's a movie done of Paul. Here's a photo of him in prison, or what it might have looked like. And, and he's uh, maybe thinking about those people that deserted him. The very people that he came to serve and to love and share the good news deserted him. You know, you know, you know how you want people that are going to refresh you and be there for you? This did not happen for him. The people that he wanted to count on were not there at this time. And it seems like, Paul, you got ripped off, bro. Like, you, you poured yourself out, you served all these people, and look at nobody's there for you. Do you think he regretted it as he was sitting there in a dirty old prison, cold? It was actually getting to be about winter, and so he's probably pretty, very cold and uncomfortable, and probably old, and just, man, do you think he regretted it, all of, all of his expending himself for people? Well, I think, I think he would still say it was totally worth it. It has been totally worth it to, to live a life of sacrificial service. And one of the reasons I think that is because of what he said in, in verse 16. He said, no one stood by me. Everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. So I think what we can learn from Paul is that one of, one of, one, if we are going to expend ourselves for others, one of the important keys is to walk in forgiveness and to keep my heart soft towards people. Keep your heart soft towards the people that you're serving. This is really a key component. One really big obstacle for us serving others is being worried that we're going to get ripped off. Yeah, if I, if I serve them and I, and I spend the extra time or if I give the money or if I, if I do these things to help out, I might get ripped off. It might not come back to me. Or maybe you've actually been burned in a situation. Maybe, maybe you've even done this at church. I've talked to many people in Santa Clarita outside of our church who have, have in some years past have had church hurt and they've been burned in some way they really expended themselves and that's really really painful that can actually contort the direction of the rest of your life only god can enable us to truly and fully forgive only god can redeem those hurts that we walk through that we experience from people and god can bring good out of them 
And God promises to. He promises to bring good out of those hurts. So it's never a waste. If we keep our hearts soft and forgive all of the hurts we walk through, have never been a waste. So Paul's example, it also shows us this. While he's sitting there, um, one of the keys is to draw strength from the Lord whenever you're feeling lonely or drained. And what he says again in verse 16, he says, No one stood by me. The next verse, yeah, no one stood by me. Everyone deserted me. But... The Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me. So this was his, probably one of the lowest, darkest, loneliest moments of his life, at the very end of his life. It's like, man, he, he lived a really good life, and this is, this is how it wraps up. Oh, it's painful to hear. But in the midst of it all, Paul drew his strength from Jesus. Where else can you turn in a moment like that? I don't know if you've ever felt abandoned or hurt or alone. We usually turn to all sorts of other solutions about how to address that problem before we turn to the solution. And Paul knew that Jesus was the only one who could meet his deepest needs. For each of us today, Jesus is the only one who can meet your deepest needs. Another example very similar to this in the Old Testament is, is David. And I, I want to reference because of how similar it is um, there's a situation where David, he hadn't quite been king yet, and so he and his merry men were going through the countryside doing battles against others, and he was amassing a, a band of good, godly men that were going to help usher in the next stage of life for Israel. But they got ambushed, and while they were out fighting, um, all their stuff, their wives and their kids were all, were all um, pillaged and taken. And so they, these men, these warriors, they come back to their camp and everything's gone. And what it says about this is David was in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him, for they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord as God. It's another situation where David, all the guys that he relied upon, he fought side by side with, the men that had probably forged some pretty tight bonds were all turning on him talking about stoning him. So who, who are you going to turn to, David, in this moment? There's no one you can turn to except for the Lord. And that's where he found his strength. So we see David, probably one of the most prominent leaders in the Old Testament, and then Paul, one of the most prominent leaders in the New Testament, two very strong men, capable leaders, both in one of the lowest moments of their life, some of the worst trouble with people, and each man did the same thing. They turned to God in prayer. And trusted him. In Paul's case, the reason that Jesus stood with him and strengthened him is for him for, to do more ministry to people. Um, he says in that verse, he says, Jesus stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. God had more work for him to do. God had more ways for him to expend himself for others, the good news to share, and so Jesus would be there to give him all the strength that he would need. So if we're going to truly expend ourselves, we're going to have to deal with that fear of getting ripped off. Like that, you know, I don't know if I can give anymore. I don't know if I can serve anymore. I might get ripped off. We, have, we deal with that by trusting God with, to take care of me now and in eternity. We've got to trust 
God, you're going to take care. I believe you're going to take care of me now and on into eternity. You will care for me. And that's what Paul says in the next verse that we looked at. He says, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work. It actually didn't mean that he was going to prevent him from getting executed, by the way. But he did believe that God would rescue him from every evil work. And ultimately, God will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I have to trust that God will take care of me. Which means he's going to meet my needs right now. Actually, God has already promised, if you're a follower of Christ, God has already promised to meet all of your needs. And if that's true... And if he does that, which he does, that means uh, every, everything that you need, you already have. If there's something that you don't have right now, it's because God doesn't think you need it right now. And, you know, coming to grips with that is, you know, there's a, that, maybe that could be a whole message topic itself. But man, he's, he's prom- in his word, he said that he will take care of all of our needs. Well, according to his plan... I have what I need. So i got to trust him that he will give me that. And not only that right now, but I believe that he will bring me into his heavenly kingdom. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of... We, we can endure. We can keep going through the darkest, lowest moment. We can keep going if we have the hope of his heavenly kingdom. And, you know, as a person is working on whether or not they want to trust Jesus fully, let's say maybe you're exploring Christianity or exploring whether or not you actually want to whole hog, full-heartedly go into following Jesus. He's the Lord over everything. In the wrestling process of that, um, well, if if we never do that, if we never fully trust him, that just means I'll have to spend the rest of my life taking care of myself. If I don't ultimately trust him, you know, and I could, maybe, maybe you could, a person that hasn't fully trusted God, they could do some nice things still. It could be altruistic and maybe give and be generous and all that. But, but a person that hasn't fully entrusted their lives to Christ will, at some point, put limits. Maybe focus on conservation, make sure I, I can last. And, and also, if anyone offends me or wrongs me, boy, the bitterness that comes from that it's like impossible to overcome if we haven't trusted Christ. So to f- if, if we don't fully cross the line of faith and trust Jesus fully, that what tends to happen is that gives rise to maybe the, the self-care culture where people got to focus like, you know, you can, you can be a nice person, but you do got to focus on your me time. You got to do some self-love. You got you to protect your downtime and your boundaries. And you got to treat yourself at the right amount of times with the right frequency so that you can keep going in life. And it's really a self-trust approach to life. And um, I think when we, when we wrestle through this in the example of Paul, which Paul was a very unbalanced person, if you think about it, the way that he just poured himself out all the way through his life. You know, maybe, maybe psychologists today would call him an unbalanced person, but he was a very faithful, godly, God-honoring person. And we can ask ourselves, how much, how much do I expend myself for others? How much do I really pour myself out? Being a part of a body of Christ, I want to give you another example of, of how you might consider this idea of like giving out and coming in. 
there's um, there's uh, if you, there's two bodies of water in the Middle Eastern area. There's the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. And the Dead Sea, nothing can live there. It is ten times the saltiness of the ocean. And uh, I have a photo of it here as well. So what happens, the way, the way the Dead Sea is that way is water pours into it from, particularly from the Jordan River and there's some perennial springs underneath it. And it has no outlets. So things just collect there, all the saltiness and nothing goes out. I guess you could say that the Dead Sea is all about itself. It's very selfish. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give any water out, it doesn't flow out, it doesn't contribute any resources in any other direction. So the result is it's stagnant and dead. There is zero life there. I've never been there, but I know that you can float really good if you're in that much saltiness. Um, another sea, which is just 88 miles north of the Dead Sea, is the Sea of Galilee. Now this is a body of water that has a constant flow of water from tributaries going in and then out of it. The water in this body is highly oxygenated and sustains rich and abundant life. The, the Dead Sea actually, you know, we read about it, or I'm sorry, the Sea of Galilee, we read about it in the Bible, and there was many fish caught there, many miracles happened there. So, you, you know, it has been sustaining life in humans for centuries. A lot of life comes out of this body of water. Which, so, you know, compare the Dead Sea to the Sea of Galilee. Which, which one is more refreshing? Which one is the more life-giving? And it's kind of an interesting analogy in a similar way. If all we do is we have input, focus on ourselves, serve ourselves, protect ourselves, um, even, even, if, even if it's like good and spiritual stuff, just like I just focus on my own Bible time, my own prayer, I'm all about myself, I'm in my own time, but never give out, never expend, never use our resources for the benefit of others, then we can become stagnant. We need to have spiritual outlets to be healthy. You know, the world would say, be refreshed by focusing on yourself. Take care of yourself. That's how you find refreshment. The Bible flips it all the way around and says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I don't know if you've ever tried this out and you've, you've invested time in people and you're like, okay, I'm going to serve somebody and then something happens to that relationship. Maybe they move away or they fall off the map, or you lose them in some way or relationship, and you, and you wonder, man, I, really, I invested time in this person or in these people. Like, I was really serving, I was giving, and it feels like a waste. I think that trust in the Lord that Paul had at the end of his life, it really helps us if we've made an investment and the person moves away or goes away. Even though we may feel like that time has been a waste, I, and I think, I think Paul probably did wrestle with that often because, you know, person after person, church after church, he trained and, and, and not everybody made it to the end. Not all the guys that Paul discipled actually endured. Some of them peeled off or their faith wavered or they turned on him. And he probably wrestled with this. Like, was that all a waste? All of that effort that I gave for other people, was it a waste? Well, what we can do when we trust the Lord is we... We know what he wants. He wants us to expend ourselves, and we can then trust him with the results, knowing that he's working through it in some way. So there's a few practical ways that we can expend ourselves. If, if, you're, if you're maybe considering, okay, maybe this idea of like I give 
and then somehow I end up with more. If you want to try this out, here's a few ways to do it. One thing you can do is to ask a question, who has God placed in my life right now? Who, who do I, who, either who do I work with, who's in my church right now? Um, when we have um, life groups going during the, during the year and you're a part of a life group, who's in your life group at that moment? Um, who's on your, your volunteer team at church? Who's in your family right now? Who has, so all those people that are in your life that you're connected to, your own web of relationships, God has created. God has put those people around you. Those are the people that you can invest deeply in. Bible, the Bible shows us a picture of this, especially when it comes to our church relationships. In Hebrews it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This kind of uh, mutual love and encouragement and spurring and service, a term for this could be fellowship, or we might say today community. And to do this kind of like investment and encouragement and togetherness, for some of you that may require giving up some of your time. There may be you just may need to push some other things or some other preferences out of your schedule in order to get more time with people. For others, maybe this kind of community and fellowship is going to require that you open up your life more. Maybe, maybe, on, you're, maybe you're more of the clam type of person and you're, you're fairly like closed and maybe more to yourself and in your own mind and to really open up who you are takes a great deal of effort. I know, I know what that feels like. It's hard. In my own journey, it feels like sometimes God was using a crowbar to try to pry open the clamminess of, of me just being closed off or so focused on my own thing. And so maybe, maybe for you, this kind of community means you're just going to have to reveal more things about yourself to other people and open up. The question that we, we tend to ask is, who do I want to spend time with? And you think about all the people in your life and think about all the people that you you wish would invite you or that you want to have over and the better question is who who has god placed in my life right now who's god already put there and i've i've been surprised when i've go i've just focused on the people that god has put right in front of me i'm surprised at how god uses people to encourage and refresh me even if they're really different because sometimes the people you're sometimes we're around people and you're like ah they're, they're so different they're a totally different age or their personality is different or we don't really connect and sometimes i'm just surprised god just allows refreshment and joy and depth to come when we just invest so far of all the people in my life so far nobody has been able to perfectly meet all my needs not a single person in fact not even a conglomeration of people have been able to perfectly meet all of my needs what we do is we look to god for that we look to God for sustenance while we serve others. Another practical way to expend ourselves is to drop my expectations on people around me and start serving them. Um, so so maybe, maybe, maybe there's some expectations. Maybe, uh, you know, I'll, I'll serve them if they first do such and such for me. Or why, did, why didn't I get invited to that thing? Well, that question is an expectation, like, I should have been invited. Or, you know, sometimes we come up with an idea about how we ought to be treated by that person. Whenever, whenever that goes through our minds, 
some sort of expectation that somebody's going to come through for us or do what we want. We would do well to remember what Jesus said. Actually, a couple of things he said. Mark 10, 45, he says, For even the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, he basically, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He also says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know if you think that's true or not. You're like, you know, getting still pretty good. <laughs> I do like receiving quite a lot. Is it true? Are we sure? Are we sure that giving really, really is better? I mean, better is kind of a relative term, right? Like we could define that differently. No, that's what he says. It's more blessed to give. And he says, Jesus, if he wrapped up his life, he said it this way. I came to serve, not to focus on myself at all. That's why he was here. That's why he spent his 33 years, to serve others. Man, that's our example. That's our standard. That is a hard standard to reach. I don't know if you sometimes wish that people would do things for you. What if, what if we were to just turn it around and just bless that person with no strings attached? Just, you know what, I want something, but no, instead of, instead of demanding, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm just going to give freely. Man, that's different. That's, I think that's more what Jesus had in mind here. And in all of this, one question that may be coming up in your mind is like maybe the issue of boundaries or how do we relate to people that are like overstepping. I, I actually am not saying in all of this that you should be a doormat and just do everything that all the demanding people in your life want you to do. I'm not saying that. Actually, even Jesus didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't just let himself be willy-nilly tugged around by all the whims of every person. There actually may be some legitimate times when you don't meet a need or a desire that someone has. What I'm saying, though, is our heart motivation is to match Jesus, which his goal was to serve, really to entrust himself to God, focus on expending his life for the good of others. And when it comes to like issues of like true boundaries and figuring out how to work with people that God has put in our life, there's, there's more we could talk about that. But there's another practical way to serve others. And this one, this last one, is kind of related to our church. It could be to join a group or a team and expend myself for the benefit of the church. In September, in about a month from now, we'll be launching a new round of life groups where we gather together in homes, and that's really for encouragement and sharing life, going through some biblical topics together. And that's the time to build these relationships and do this thing of being there for the benefit of others. We're a team. We have a bunch of ministry teams that allow us to, um, that volunteers allow us to run our churches every Sunday. And in the summer months, it tends to get a little bit leaner. Sometimes we don't know who all is going to show up. It appears that we're getting through the summer, though, right now. We're almost, almost through August, and uh, God has been providing. But um, you know what? There's, jumping onto a volunteer team or a ministry team is a way to just give freely, expend myself for the benefit of others. I love a description of this in the Bible. Um, in Ephesians, it says, From him, meaning Jesus, the whole body, the body is referring to like this group of people right here, this body of Christ, um, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Like each person, each person is like a part of the body, a muscle or a tendon or a ligament or a finger or an elbow. We're all, we're all held together. 
it grows, this body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That last phrase, I meant to underline it, as each part does its work. The way that our body grows and gets built up is by, well, it's by you guys working. <laughs> it's by me working and us working together. So what happens to those that aren't doing the work? If there's somebody that's a part of it, you'd say, oh, this is my church, but you're not doing the work. Well, there's going to be an absence of growth. There's not going to be the building up happening that is described here. People won't really be held together the way that Christ intends if each part's not doing their work. It's kind of like having weak muscles and ligaments. Sometimes I go for a run, I'm starting to get pain, a pain in my knee. I'm like, man, it's like, so when the pain in the knee is happening, I can't think about anything else. I'm like, it makes me not want to run. It just, it brings down my whole, like, ability when there's one part of my body that's not working. That's kind of like what it is as a body. It's partly why Jesus calls us the body of Christ. So one way to really expend yourself for the interest of this church is to commit as a member, too. Um, Barry had mentioned we have a membership renewal coming up. There are some of the, you, you're maybe in the process of exploring what it means to be a member at our church, and we can, um, I can provide some info to clarify that. But the members of our church are the people that we know who we can count on to help us move the mission forward that God's given us. And when it comes to those ministry teams that happen on Sunday mornings, there's, there's a lot of life and a lot of depth that flows out of that. It's not just doing work. It's doing work together and connecting and, you know, laughing and sharing stories, getting updates about the week as we're doing the Lord's work on Sunday morning. Sometimes a lot of information about what's going on in church or in our lives kind of flows through those volunteer teams happening. And uh, when people take a break or f maybe they feel disconnected or feel out of the loop of the information, it might be because the, the service has slowed down. So we can each play an important and needed role in the ministry. So this whole idea of expending ourselves for others, I really got a vision for this by the guys that have mentored me. And this past weekend I went to Hope Church, which is the great-grandparent church that started our network. And um, I, got a, I got a photo with some of the other pastors. In the far right is Harold Bullock. He, 45 years ago, he started Hope Church, um, and the Lord called him to that, and they've been going strong. And many, many churches have come out of Hope Church, over 200. And um, Randy, the guy in the yellow, was trained by Harold. And the thing that he said about Harold was how much time and heart was invested into him by his mentor. It, cha it changed him. It changed the trajectory of his life, being cared for with such depth by Harold. So what, what Randy did in the yellow is then he, well, what he trained the next guy, you know, right there, Josh, the guy next to me. And so Josh caught this vision of expending himself, just serving and loving and giving and making his life not about himself, but about the mission of Christ. And the Lord plopped me in Josh's church <laughs> about 15 years ago, and that's where I got my training. And so I, I've, I, I somehow got put in this stream of men that have been giving out their lives, just pouring out their lives for others. The result is each of these other pastors have planted many, many churches, Many countless people have come to Christ. Many people have been built up in their faith and grown as a result of guys that will share their lives with others. 
I'm hoping I don't mess it up and it ends with me. <laughs> There's, uh, you know, Lord willing, I've been praying for a while that, you know, we'll be able to plant a church. I'm like, I could be the screw up in this line. Um, guys, I'm just going to try to, I'm going to try to be like them and try to love, you know, they're, they're great godly leaders, but the thing that sets these men apart is the way that they love people. And I want to be like that. I want you guys to be like that too. I want us to be like that where we are giving up our very lives for people. There, one, of the, one of the ways that I caught the vision of this was Josh. Um, at one point, we were, I was still pretty like self-focused you know, in, in my de- spiritual development. But uh, Josh and his family came over one night and just offered to help out with any projects we needed. And I was working on painting a hutch in our house, which is like a simple, small project. But he said, well, you got an extra brush? I was like, yeah. So he just picked up a brush and we just started painting it together. And at the same time, his wife, Erica, you know, sat with Aaron and their kids and the kids played together and they worked on some projects together. And I, for some reason, it was just kind of a simple night, but it was this family coming over just to serve. They had no agenda. They, the, the only agenda was to just love us and just do practical acts of kindness and service. And I'm like, man, this is really different. They just gave up a whole night for us. Another time, uh, Josh and Erica came to visit us when we had our first kid. Actually, I think probably each of our kids, they came. But I, I just remember they were, they were the first ones there when Liana was born, and they were just so eager to celebrate that occasion with us, to hold Liana as a baby, and they were there. It's like a high moment in life, they were there as well. And so there's all these, these moments in my life. This is, this is what helped me get, gain a vision. Even Erica, his wife, would say, um, whenever it came time for someone to have a birthday party or a neighbor or a family was having a birthday party or a baby shower or something like that, um, she says, well, we go to those um, not because it'll be fun for us, but we go to celebrate the person. And for some reason that blew my mind because I'm like, usually the question in my mind is like, do I want to go to this party? <laughs> do I want to go to that thing? Do I want to? And I'm like, and she's like, that's not the question we ask. Like, man, this, is, this just totally turns it around for me. So this family, they, they, for Josh and Erica, his wife, following the example of these men, following the example of Christ, we're really striving to make our lives about others. And there's a lot that you can invest your life in. It may not feel like it, but you do have a lot of discretionary time. You know, you work, and you sleep, and you know, all that stuff. But you have pockets of time, and you have things that you choose to do, and things you could choose not to do. We all have a certain amount of discretionary time, and that time is very important, how you spend it. And there are three things that are eternal that you could spend your discretionary time on that would have a really, really big impact. Three eternal things are God, His Word, and people. Those are the three things that will last forever. Any time you spend with God, in His Word, and with people are times that you make an investment in eternal things. There's a lot of things we do that don't fit on that list. <laughs> um, but there, those are three things that we can just keep pouring our time into. And it will be building into eternity. God, his word, and people. So if you were to look over your notes, if you have your notes out, I don't know if there's any next steps that you might take this week. Maybe that one of just, who has God placed in my life? I'll start investing deeply in them. Maybe that's your next step. And you write a name or two on your paper. Or maybe for you, you're like, I need to drop my expectations I really want that person to do some things, and then I'm going, to just, I'm going to serve them instead. Or maybe that other next step would be for you to either join a team 
which we actually do have a pretty big need for more volunteers on our teams right now. If that's you, write that down on your card that you'd like to help out volunteering. And then as far as groups go, those will be starting in a month. You'll hear more about that. But I want to go back to that first verse that we looked at. <clears throat> Proverbs eleven twenty five says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Do you think that's true? Do you think that reality works that way? So maybe, maybe you'll be a person that just keeps trying to refresh yourself, or maybe you'll be a person that decides to refresh others instead and entrust yourself to God in the process. This is going to wrap up this series. Today's message, the fourth in this whole series about sharing our very lives, I want to look at that verse that summarizes the goal of this series we've been looking at. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become so dear to us. Paul, the people that he served, he definitely wanted to share the gospel. They were going to hear the good news about Jesus, for sure. But more than that, he wanted to share himself, his heart with people. And so this, it's been my prayer that this would characterize our church as well. That we'll share the gospel with people for sure. People will hear the good news. But not just that, that we share ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning, for the example of Paul. And certainly he was following the example of Christ. And Jesus, it's, it, is, it really is quite a high bar that you came to serve, not to be served. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us like that. Give us the grace to follow in your footsteps. For those that are sorting through whether or not to follow wholeheartedly you, to make you their Lord and boss, I pray that you would bring the, clar the clarity and the courage needed to step in faith toward you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.